politics has always been tedious and seriously impactful. Welcome, Mere Modelites, to another round of the book reviews. I am your favorite reader over here, Kyron, from the Mere Models podcast and the Value for Value podcast. But this is the book reviews where we dive deeper into the books that we're reading to give you the juicy information, find out what is within, to extract some themes, talk about some fun stuff. And I will just mention that I am live as usual here on a 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which is UTC wherever midnight, wherever you are in the world. So you can just plus and minus your time off of that. Currently doing it on a Monday's, going to be switching to a Thursday's probably in the near future. So this podcast is really focusing on books, typically older ones. That's my general style. I, any genre, I don't really mind, but usually more than kind of five to 10 years old is about my, my um, rough guidelines of what I used to choose. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be focusing on this book here, On Government by Cicero. Cicero, I'm not actually sure how you pronounce his name. So my initial motivation coming into this was, I mean, I, th- I feel if you've heard about the Romans, the Greeks, you've probably heard about Cicero before, um, but I never knew much about him. I actually didn't know if he was Greek, if he was Roman or anything like that. So just, you know, quick backstory here. He's um, from ancient Rome, lived in the kind of 120 BC to 50 BC, 40 BC, something around that time. So he was contemporaries of people like um Augustus Caesar of Pompeii, who he actually kind of um, backed a, a lot. You know, he was very much in the times of like what we would look now as like living in history. So uh, very, very interesting person in in that he was in an interesting time. And he was also one of the greatest orators of that time, which is uh, what he's really known for. So I really came into this pretty fresh, didn't know much about him. And I even what I do typically for books like this is you'll find in the Penguin classics and Penguin books that they they almost always have an intro. There is almost always always almost a a description of what he was an interpretation because these books are relatively hard to read at times because they are talking about different topics, they're talking about a different time period and so a lot of the time they they give a backstory to it. Um as usual I don't like to read the introduction. I like to try and give my most honest, full opinion. But, you know, it was a, uh, this this could have been a mistake. I could have erred on this. So, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end. But it really just gets stuck right into the mire from my initial oppression was uh, against Varus. And this was where I was just like, oh, God, this could be a bit of a slog, this book. So, what in particular made it a, a slog, I should say, is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's very much like a, a grandstanding slander. It's, it's uh, There's no real plot to it. So, going on to the plot and style, no plot, um, but it has been curated. So, it's very much in a chronological order. And it's got about six sections, the first being against Varus, which is his, uh, I suppose, attack on a particular politician who he thought was really bad. Uh, the next one is for Morena, a much, much shorter one, uh, which was oh, not that much shorter. The first was about 100 pages. Second uh, was to uh, basically highlight this guy and say, oh, I'm for this guy. This guy's really good. He wanted him to um, become a, uh, con- a consul, I believe it was. And so he was advocating for him. The next one for Balbus, a, a kind of similar type of deal going on in there. And then the it gets into more aspects of on, on the state, on laws. These are much shorter sections. So he's really 
giving his, I guess, governance philosophy, things like that. The Brutus, the importance of oratory, that's a history of oratory. And then right at the end, the Philippics, uh, which is, uh, I guess, his attacks against Mark Antony. So, the plot, there's no real plot into it. It's just delivered into these separate sections. And um, normally, I, I don't particularly like books like this, which is it's speeches that's been turned into text. Like, I go, oh, if, if you've read many of the Buddhist works, I've, I feel this is what happens. So, things from the Dalai Lama, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, people like that, they have these speeches, they've just delivered it, put it into text and sent it out as a book. And it's just an awful book because they that transforming a completely different medium and then putting it into text. It makes no sense. Uh, whereas this, I thought was the case, but it turns out uh, upon reading, no, actually, these were more the notes that he constructed in preparation for doing speeches. So it wasn't a historical record of this is how he actually said the things. It was more, this is how he was preparing for speeches that he would deliver in the kind of auditorium in front of other consuls or the Senate or people like that. So, it was a little bit different for that. And uh, I believe these were more to aid his, his memory. Uh, look, it's kind of like classic politician and lawyer. So, there's it's essentially grandstanding and slander <laughs> for the large po- portion of it. There's a lot of pettiness. There's a lot of, uh, you know, he was living in a- Asia and this guy, but he was a dancer. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't like judge him for that because being a dancer is actually a thing. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of just having to defend against a, a bullshit claim and then counter defend against it and then counter that, that counter and, uh, you know, vouching for this friend because he's a good name, but then having to be like a bit taciturn, a bit mindful that some of his friends are on the opposite side of this case. And so he's also got to be mindful. It's just complete at bleh, bleh in my mind. It's the, it's very much a, it's a, it's a politician type of, of style. And, uh, you know, for example, he barely acknowledges the actual charges against Morena, for example, when he's defending his friend. He's not. So, they're in a court of law, right? And this is where you'd expect, okay, present the evidence, prevent, uh, present rational arguments for why this side of the story is more true than this side of the story. But he's he's not really doing that. He's just going off on limbs being like, this guy's a dumbass and, you know, this person did this, obviously, in a more or or a oratorical grand style than what I'm saying here, but it does, you know, it's it's highlighting his personal qualities and a lot of like yapping. Another example of this uh, that he does uh, against Varus, which there was no particular evidence. He was saying Varus was this real bad guy and that basically the lead up to this was he was a uh, a politician in this town. He was the leader of this town sent there by Rome, but then he abused his power and he was, you know, basically... He, he lost this fleet through negligence because he wasn't getting, you know, boats to prevent the the pirates from marauding and then all of these sorts of things. And then to cover up his negligence, he kills all of these innocent sailors, puts them in jail and then enriches himself, all of these sorts of things. Um, so, if I jump on page 69 here, you get a bit of a taste of what he was presenting in the court, which wasn't testimonies of how this guy did it, why he did it. It was It was more of... This is the person who he is. So, we have here. Uh, It was a verdict that greatly upset the Sicilians, our loyal allies from ancient times, for they felt that their own lives and fortunes were now precarious. They were horrified by the degeneration of our own imperial rule from its earlier lenient mildness into a regime of such inhuman brutality. 
The mass condemnation of those innocent men appalled them, and so did the attempt of our disgraceful governor to evade condemnation for the thefts which he himself had committed by the undeserved massacre of people who were guilty of nothing at all. You will think, gentlemen, that this story of criminal brutality must by now be complete, and that you should think so is reasonable enough. In competition with other evil men, Varus would easily be the winner, by a large margin, but he competes with himself. With each new horrifying action, he ensures he will outdo what he has done before. <laughs> so he's really just going like, this guy's bad, and I'm going to present this big, funny, not funny, but a, a grandstanding. It's like, this is how bad he is. He's competing with himself in evil. He is doing this. So he had very much this style of, okay, this is this is what he's presenting in this book. He's presenting these, he's, he's an orator. He's, he's, he's a drawing in a crowd. And so, you know, a good orator is not one who's like logical, straight facts. This is how um, this is thing is, you know, the kind of engineering mindset. No, a great orator is one who, is pompous, who's loud, who draws people in, who crafts a narrative and does all these stories. So this is very much the, the plot and style, I guess, you get for, for most of the book with then the sections of of on government, on, on you know, on laws, on things like this, which are more, mm, I suppose, a treatise and it's more of a writing style. These weren't necessarily speeches that he was presenting. So you get a, you get a bit of a taste of both, but mostly it is this oratorical speeches he actually delivered which gets us i suppose onto our our questions and themes oh. and what really stood out for me from this book was when should you take a stand when should you put the line in the sand you know the this shall not be crossed i will not do this i will not uh, say this or i will say this and i will uh, vociferously argue against this and uh, what you see is because this book is chronological and it goes from when he first burst onto the scene in against Varus, this is where he kind of proves himself as a great orator. And then, you know, it, it goes roughly every five, 10 years further along. You see him developing his style more until the very end, the Philippics, which is the the last things that he did before before his death. You can see that he becomes more strident. He becomes less wishy-washy. He becomes... a a lot more of a, you know, a hard-nosed, this is what is right, I'm going to say what I believe in. And um, this is where it's the the interesting thing about politics is you're always kind of trying to predict where things are going to go. That is what a politician is roughly doing. So he's, he's trying to get the feel of the masses or the crowd, in this case in a democracy, which is, well, that a semi-democracy is what they kind of had going on here. And, you know, He's, so he's going to be trying to do predictions, and what does a good prediction do maker do? Well, they they hedge bets so that they don't they're not all in on one side. They they hedge their bets. So it's like I believe in this kind of thing, but I'm also going to take a side bet over here and uh, make sure that if if I do lose on this big one, well, I've kind of got some of my losses covered. Which is, I think, a you know, I think that's more of a gambling mentality, but. It's well, no, a gambling mentality is really just going all in on one on one side. This would be a risk management strategy, I guess. And this is how I think you could could view politicians. They are very much trying to curry favor from one side or say what they believe in, but also, you know, make sure that if that side doesn't win, they haven't totally burnt their bridges so that they continue on and do more politician things in the future. Very much type of a job. So what what I kind of liked about this was rather than 
just simply being a a dirty politician is or a, like a weasley type of politician his whole life he actually does start to to take some stands and to enact his vision of what the world he thinks can be or should be uh, rather than just simply going with the flow which i i kind of like um but i think there's a price that you you have to pay for that or it's the the risk it's the gamble that happens from this which is if you're the type of person who is in such a powerful position where you can mold and shape the lives of, I think it was about a million, two million people who lived in Rome at this time. If you're the type of person who can enact laws which will impact everyone, then there is a price to pay for, for that power. And you can kind of be weasley with it and not have as much. Or you can take the big gamble, much like Caesar did, much like Pompey did, uh, and and fight for for it and in this case they were fighting to be the supreme power and turn it less from a s- senate democracy type of deal into like i'm the one guy almost turning into a monarchy and uh the price that he particularly pays is, is exile for a, a large portion of his life and then ultimately mark antony uh when he was fighting against mark antony and denouncing him Mark Antony somewhat came to power with a triumvirate, I believe it was called, with um, Caesar's son and uh, I believe one other person. And uh, yeah, basically it was like, you're going to die now. And so that is how Cicero died. He, he got murdered by, um, you know, the adherents of, of, um, of Mark Antony as, as he was trying to escape. And um, that's, I guess, like the risk the, that you, you might have to pay if you're, if you're seeking the ultimate power death imprisonment torture this is a pretty common theme that runs throughout governments and politics and unless you're willing to the more you take a stand on something i think the more you have to acknowledge okay there could be a very big trade-off of if this doesn't go the right way if i'm on the wrong side uh there's a good chance i'm going to be you know have i'm going to pay the price for for trying to play and meddle with that power so i I think that was something that stuck out for me from this uh, of really learning about governments and politics was like oh okay it's a you can view it as kind of a risk management strategy and and analyze it like that what also stood out for me was man there was a lack of imagination and philosophical underpinnings to his treatises on on governments it considering the book is called on government there's there's very little that is actually in there about how governance works, how people get together and make decisions and and things like this. Uh, you know, for example, a lot of what he talks about when he does say what his uh, ideal government should be like, which was in more on the like on laws section or on the state, things like that, th- they seem just really random in a sense. Like they didn't seem to have that philosophical underpinning of, you know, we start off with consciousness and then the you know there should be no no none of this or there should be that what we're aiming for is this or what we're not aiming for is that he was kind of just like no you know votes should be secret but then written out and um you know who who the only these sort of people should attend the assembly but it it just kind of seemed wishy-washy there was no real depth to it and uh he never really explains why any of these are, are needed um and so, like, unlike his history of oratory, he doesn't know any other sort of government structure. The oratorical portion that he writes about um, in this section for Brutus or, or the Brutus, 
is is very much a history. He actually has put in the work. He knows what he's talking about. Whereas on the government section, like he doesn't talk about how governments function in Asia or in other cities or in Greek or, or Greece or Sparta or anything like this. It's very, yeah, it's very meh when it when it comes to that. So uh, jumping onto page 187 here, we do have a little a little section of, of this, and um, it, he he did have this one point which I, I think was interesting. And so this is in a section where they've got this back and forth between different people, but it ends up it. Uh, Finishes off with this guy, Lelius, Lelius, I believe his name. And he says, no, I would not describe it as anything of the kind. On the contrary, there is no form of government to which I should more readily deny the definition of a state than one which is entirely under the control of the masses. So this is where they're actually saying democracy is a bad thing. Uh, We decided that there was no true state at Syracuse or Argentum or Athens when those cities were ruled by despots or here at Rome when the board of 10 were in charge. Well, I cannot see how the name of state can be regarded as any more applicable to a despotism exercised by the mob. For, to begin with, a people can only said to be exist at all when the individuals who comprise it are bound together in a partnership founded on law according to your admiral definition, Scipio or Sispio. But the sort of mass government to which you have referred is just as tyrannical as if a single person were the ruler, and indeed an even nastier despot, because there is nothing more disgusting than the sort of monstrosity which fictitiously assumes the name and guise of the people. <laughs> so this is kind of a, an interesting section where what we would probably say nowadays is like, oh, you know, what's the best type of government? Well, it's where the masses can have more of an uh, an influence. This is probably this is me speaking as an Australian here in a relative democracy. I, I I don't know what I get. What I was starting to get from this was okay. You know what? All governments suck. They all, they're all shitty. None of them particularly work. Some are worse than others. There's no doubt about that. The despots and tyrants and and things like that. But a despot and a tyrant is only because of the actions that they take against his own people. It's the murderings, it's the jailings, it's the uh, cutting off freedom of speech and things like that. But there were certainly times in history where you would have a great monarch and who did have this power to rule and make decisions, but who did it in a good way. Look at the kind of Singapore for for a modern example of this, where you go, you know what? It was a single dude who had a lot of power, more or less, and... Singapore really benefited from that and is a better place than it was 40, 50 years ago. So all I can kind of take from this, the other theme was governments just seem to be shit. (laughs) Governments seem to be shit. Politicians seem to be, uh, have bad incentives going for them. There's nothing, there's nothing in here where I'm like, you know what? I learned a lot more about government and I, and I, I feel more informed from this. I just go, Ah, politicians, man, politicians and government, it's, it seems kind of bullshit. <laughs> so well, let's jump on to the author and just a couple of extra details. Um, this was, as I was saying, it might've been worthwhile reading the intro to this because there was, it was mostly useful. I, I went to it afterwards and it was mostly his life details. This is what he was going through when he wrote the Brutus. This is what he was going through uh, when he was writing um, on the state or on laws or things like this. So um, it wasn't so much a deconstruction of what he said, which is what I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear people telling me how I should interpret the words. I'd rather just interpret them for myself. Um, but it is... Yeah, just funny how surprising, how dictatorial a lot of this is. You actually do get to see into the mind of Cicero for a bit. And uh, he's definitely (laughs) 
a, a kind of strong man in, in certain regards, but I wouldn't say a really, really deep thinker. And perhaps that's because he was more focusing on the oratorical nature of it rather than the philosophy. I would call it, look, I think everyone would say he's more of a politician than a philosopher. So this is kind of what you get from this book. It is a politician speaking and it's not these deeper things which you, which perhaps I was looking for or thought I would find in a book labeled on government. So yeah, Uh, a lot of unintentional irony abounds in this as well. That was one of the things that stood out and, and, and not in a funny sense. So it's hard to agree with Cicero, for example, in this one section, he's lambasting against Varus and he's like, Varus is such an evil, bad man. Um, because he didn't torture and flay these people, because he didn't do these things, in this case, he was saying he should have been torturing and flaying and killing some people who actually had done like um, murderers or something. And typically what they would do is they'd have these public ex- executions and things like this. And I was just like, you know what? As as bad as Varus might have been, I don't know. I didn't know the guy. I don't think you should be condemning someone for not killing other people and torturing them and doing bad things to them. Sure, you could say it was a lack of government. He didn't put in proper controls. He didn't put in punishments to stop certain types of behavior or let certain behaviors happen. But lambasting a guy for not killing, murdering and torturing people, there's a bit of irony in that when he's also calling this person, you know, the most evil person who's ever existed. Um, Another example was his description of Zeno's stoicism, which he described as very different from how I imagine Stoicism, which is this kind of harsh, unyielding arrogance of with, side, with the side effect of pomposity. Um, you should always be judging. Um, you should always be, you know, a striving for a higher ideal and things like this. Um, and yet he is remembered. And, and so he's kind of saying like this, this hard line, this hard nosing is, is a bad thing about Stoicism. And then yet what he is remembered for is for his hard nose non-yielding against Mark Anthony, which probably was a good thing, would have been good for the Roman state if it gone more to his way. Unfortunately, it didn't. And so it became more of a uh, dictatorship under Mark Anthony. And this is where it's like, oh shit, you know, now he dies for it. So it's really funny where he's, once again, he's he's condemning someone for, for doing something, which he then ends up doing himself and is what he is his remembered for. So I'm going to jump here into my my final summary. It's not particularly a fun read, but in terms of history and human action, it does put a lot in perspective. Uh, it takes a while to sink in and 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 why what he says is important. As I was reading through, I'm going like, this is real. This is a bit of a slog, and it took me uh, probably about a month in total because I just had these breaks of multiple days where I was just going like, ah, I don't feel like reading this at, at, at a while. Um, what I found most interesting was Cicero himself. He was very much a, a flawed man in one regard of, look, I think anyone who becomes a philo- uh, politician is somewhat flawed because they're seeking power. Why else would you be a politician? Uh, yet he he's, he seemed to go towards a, a more, what I would describe as a better man towards the end of his life because he ultimately stood for his principles and uh, his background as well. He He rose from nothing. He was... His family was well off, but not in the upper echelons of power. But he rose to the highest rank of consul, basically, because of his hard work, diligence, applying law, 
learning how to become a great orator. And I think there's a, a lot to be admired for that. And sometimes you just need to do stupid things to gain the wisdom to know, oh, okay, you know, I I was a politician, I was Weasley with my words, but what actually matters is these principles, these deeper principles, and I'll, and I'll fight for them, which he did towards the end of his life. So I think he deserves a bit of praise for that. Um, this book has not improved, improved my views about politics or government, though. Mostly seems to be a power grab shit show of Weasley people who want to tell others what to do. That is still my general opinion of, of politicians and of government. So it, it lacked depth in this regard of actually talking about governments of comparing them, describing them, which once again, that's kind of my fault. I came into it thinking it was like that. Uh, and But the only thing right at the end was there was a, it was a footnote about Demetrius of Fatherham, and he was talking about how it's, it's easy to talk bad about government if you don't have practical experience, which is probably one thing that I'm, you know, I've never tried to go into government. And I look, I get it. It's incredibly complex. And to do anything, you have to compromise. You have to not stand for your ideals and things like this. Um, but in, in that case, I'm just like, I, I don't want any part of it. And uh, I'm fine staying outside of the system and, and criticizing what I, what I think is useless, bad behavior for the, for the most part. So, uh, Cicero's on government, I'm going to give it a five out of 10. I learned a little bit. I wouldn't say it was a great read. I didn't certainly didn't enjoy reading it, but it did give me a, a, a fair bit of historical knowledge of um, orations of governments of what the Roman times were like and knowing a bit more about the man Cicero. So I would maybe, maybe read another of his books in the, in the future. So yeah, uh, an interesting read, interesting need. Let's jump on to the Boostergram Lounge. Thanks some people for helping to support the show. This is where you can, um, basically help in and, uh, send some money to support me for creating all of these things. I do put a lot of effort into this. I do have to pay hosting fees for the cameras and mics and all this sort of stuff. So uh, I do want to thank the people who are helping to support me. This is the only way I do it. You're never going to hear me uh, putting ads or sponsorships on any of this. You're never going to hear me talking about a book just because it's a recent author and that they are trying to do a publicity spiel and I could get paid for that or things like that. Nope, none of that. I refuse to do any of that. So I do have to rely on you at home to to um, help support me. And so I can say there were two people helping to support uh, this this last week. And these were two familiar names, Peter and Cole McCormick. Thank you very much. I saw both of you streaming in. Uh, so no boostergrams, no messages to read out on, on that respect. But I did have a comment here from someone whose name is Rodney Shackleford. I've, uh, I know he's tuned into the channel before, so this is on the on the YouTube in particular. And he was saying in regards to the post office uh, book review that I did last week, said, nice review. I haven't read him yet. He sounds like a break from the nutty intensity of Mishima. Yes, <laughs> he pretty much is. He's still nutty uh, and he's still kind of intense, but it's not in this ridiculous like ideological sense uh, Charles Bukowski is very much just a kind of loafing loser getting around rather than the in- Mishima's driven like the there's things they're both they're both weird they're both definitely weird and uh but there's 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 scales to it and Mishima is certainly <laughs> onto onto the next level so that's it for today in terms of thanking people for support and whatnot. This is a value for value show. So there are multiple ways that you can help uh, make this show better, contribute to it. 
time, talent and treasure time. You could share this with someone. I really do appreciate just kind of spreading the word. If you, I would, I would love to know also what you think of this new style that I'm doing with the live book reviews, with a more approach of just, I, I still do take a lot of notes and I still read the book and I still put a lot of effort into it, but it's less analytical than I was previously. So I'm giving a lot more of my opinion. So um, do you like that? I would love to know uh, that in comparison to some of the book reviews from say a couple of months ago. Uh, talent, is there any book recommendations you would give me? Are there uh, certain aspects that I have not thought about of Cicero? Have you read on government? What are uh, your opinions of that? I would love to know all of these things. Once again, send in a boostergram, write a, a comment on the YouTube, all of these sorts of things. I, I do really enjoy engaging with you and you can also join in our our discord where we talk about books we put up some pictures we discuss what we're doing in there i might do a book club in the future as well if you're interested so once again let me know if you're interested in something like that and then finally you can help support via a monetary sentence with some treasure so my preferred option for you to do that is to do it in a boostgram which is a message you can send directly in a podcasting app so for those who don't know who are just watching the video, I do these as audio as well and I put that uh, in a podcast feed. So you can go to uh, newpodcastapps.com, choose one from there and you're able to send a message with Bitcoin directly to me as a message and as a show of support. And I read those out and thank you very much for them on, um, on the channel. And you can also do it through PayPal as well if you're wanting to do it in a more easier manner um, if you want to know all of these things meremortalspodcast.com slash support and that's the they'll give you the full explanations of how you can help support out the show once again i just whatever value you get from this i, I really do appreciate you sending it back and this is how i uh, want to create these podcasts and honestly how i survive so I uh, really do appreciate you um, contributing back to the show. And yeah, that's it for this week. I am reading a couple of books at the moment, so I can give a little hints. I probably will be doing a book reviewed on Tortilla Flat, Tortilla Flat by John Steinbeck, one of my favorite authors next week. I am also reading uh, an Aussie book, Aussie, 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 um, Tim Winton's Cloud Street, and uh, those are the two that I'm reading at the moment. So there will be more, of course, in the future with Juan dropping in his little book reviews now and then. So we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining me. Until the next live session, until the next book review. Ciao for now. Kyron out.